The Old Testament reading is from Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 to 31. The angel of God, who was going before the Israelite army, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. The New Testament reading is from Matthew, chapter 18, verse 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him 
and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. And then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. You should, should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. As a child, one of my great loves was watching the cartoons of Tom and Jerry, the cat and mouse who could never, ever live together. And they'd go to extraordinary lengths of hatred to enact revenge on one another. You always knew that you had to keep an eye out for the petrol can, the garden rake left lying about, the unattended lawnmower, or even the random stick of dynamite, knowing that it would somehow be deployed to excruciating effect. What I loved was the sense of exaggeration, the over-the-topness of it all. It's that which made me chuckle. And I think in our parable today, Jesus is also trying to almost use a caricature, a cartoon effect. The sense of the ridiculous clearly applies in our parable. The humour of the story, and trust me, it is meant to be funny, is in the exaggeration. It puts a complex moral question into a simpler framework, a cartoon world, so that the principle is clearly revealed. The servant, or the slave, the, the Greek is interchangeable with that word, um, owes an unimaginable amount of money. How could he have possibly got into so much debt? If this were the banking world, there would, or m maybe should, be internal inquiries about the checks and the balances for the traders. The slave owed 10,000 talents the equivalent today of thousands of millions of pounds. There's no way that the king could ever have hoped that the slave would have repaid it. And yet the king forgives him this debt. The slave was saved from being sold alongside his family and his possessions. He then goes and finds a fellow slave who owes little in comparison. And Matthew's Gospel puts the two of them together in an exaggerated way to make us smile. The debt owed to the latter slave was about one hundred thousandth of this. It was a totally insignificant amount in comparison. And yet the fellow slave gets thrown into prison because he cannot repay the small amount. Looking in from the outside, it seems ludicrous. 
that a slave would insist on his own debt being repaid when he had been forgiven so much himself. What was he thinking of? Where is his moral compass? Did he just forget that he had been forgiven his own enormous, unpayable amount? But Jesus is saying that we're all in the position of the slave. We have all been forgiven a huge amount of debts through Jesus Christ. But do we forgive in our turn? The first step is realising that we do have a debt that needs to be forgiven. We are not the wonderful people we often think we are. And yet, maybe at times we're tempted to think that we are morally right and morally good. We've committed no major crimes. We might even have paid off our credit card bills on time or even from time to time. And so as a result, we delude ourselves that we are not ourselves in need of forgiveness. And yet we are. We all mess up from time to time. We inadvertently hurt others when it was the last thing on our minds. We forget things. We overstep the mark. And most of all, we fall short of loving as we should. Each of us at times puts ourselves first. And that's before we even consider how much we have hurt God. The way that we have allowed the world to be structured. The times when we have remained silent on matters of injustice. The way that we have polluted our, our world and taken so many of our natural resources. The times that we have watched as Christ has carried his cross to Golgotha and we have simply let him die. Just as with earlier in Matthew's Gospel, we get that wonderful point, also a major exaggeration about specks of sawdust and logs. So each of us is in need of mercy and forgiveness. And it is in receiving that mercy and forgiveness that God hopes that we ourselves can learn to forgive others. We are all in debt to God to an unimaginable amount. There is no way any of us can be that much in debt to us, so our only way of dealing with others is by forgiving them. One of the phrases in our Gospel reading for today that I think is, is the most significant is that phrase where the judge forgives out of pity. The forgiveness is not uh, a checkbook or a balance sheet of justice or in the fairness we all long for in the playground at school. It is out of pity that that judge forgives. He exercises compassion, a compassion which overwhelms, which forces him into action. It is a pity fuelled by recognition and therefore gratitude that the judge and therefore each of us owes so much. A pity which leads to a life lived within the dynamic of God's love, 
where it doesn't keep count of the number of times we need to forgive others, and nor will it cling to the number of times we ourselves need to receive forgiveness for our own mistakes. It is a continual outpouring of loving grace, received and given at the same time, a well that never runs dry. That pity, that compassion that I've just talked about, in the Greek it's, it's a terrific word, it's splanchnitsomai, which um, gets you quite a lot of points on the Scrabble board, I can assure you. And it's an idea whereby it's a love, but it's not the kind of love of the heart. Instead, the Greeks felt that splanchnitsomai, or compassion, came from the guts, that you were compelled into action as a result. It's mentioned a number of times in, in the New Testament. It's, it's where the, the father sees his son a fair distance off and experiences splanchnitsomai as he runs out to reach him. He's compelled to run, to express compassion and forgiveness. The Good Samaritan experiences the same thing when he sees the man lying by the side of the road. Splajnitsamai, a, a compassion, an active compassion. And also the judge in our parable feels that same pity, that same compassion, that he just has to forgive. For each of us, there are going to be those people who have wounded us, or hurt us. And I want you to think about them and to think about the forgiveness that you possibly need to demonstrate. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Does it feel difficult? Hold with those feelings and allow God to give you strength and wisdom and compassion at this time. But also I want you to think about those times where you've hurt others, where you've hurt God. And again, how does that make you feel? And hold with those feelings as well. Are you able to seek forgiveness? Do you have the strength to say you're sorry to God and to those whom you have injured? So this day, recognising that forgiveness is hard work, both to forgive and to say sorry. I pray that God will give us the strength, the mercy, the grace that each of us need to be people of forgiveness this day and forevermore. Amen.